Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio and you're tuned in to our special little poetry program called Spoken Word. My name is Ella Fenelska and I've had guests in the studio each month to share their work and talk about their influences and something that I've had each of my guests do is share one of their favourite poems and talk about why it's a favourite. So today I have a show for you that brings in some of those recordings that we did. So settle in and enjoy. Let us begin with Shalice Van Wingart. She was my August guest and we had a show full of passion. So let's find out uh, what Shalice's favourite poem is and why it's such an influence for her. The poem that's definitely stuck with me the most would have to be When We Two Parted by Lord Byron, mostly because it related so closely to me when I first started reading poetry. When we two parted, in silence and tears, half broken hearted to sever for years, pale grew thy cheek and cold, colder thy kiss, truly that hour foretold sorrow to this. The dew of the morning sunk chill on my brow, it felt like the warning of what I feel now. Thy vows are all broken, and light is thy fame. I hear thy name spoken and share in its shame. They name thee before me and knell to mine ear. A shudder comes o'er me, why wert thou so dear? They know not I knew thee who knew thee too well. Long, long shall I rue thee too deeply to tell. In secret we met, in silence I grieve, that thy heart could forget, thy spirit deceive. If I should meet thee after long years, how should I greet thee? With silence and tears. We just heard Chalice Van Wingart sharing a poem that's influenced her over the years. 
And now we're going to turn to Rachel Guy and see which poet has moved her. This is a poem by Sharon Olds um, called Once, and I love it because it takes a very mundane human moment and uh, I guess we all recognise this. Once. I saw my father naked once. I opened the blue bathroom's door, which he always locked. If it opened, it was empty. And there, surrounded by glistening turquoise tile, sitting on the toilet, was my father, all of him, and all of him was skin. In an instant, my gaze ran in a single, swerving, unimpeded swoop up. Toe, ankle, knee, hip, rib, nape, shoulder, elbow, wrist, knuckle, my father. He looked so unprotected, so seamless and shy, like a girl on a toilet. And even though I knew he was sitting to shit, there is no shame in that, but even a human piece. He looked up, I said sorry, backed out, shut the door, but I'd seen him, my father, a shorn lamb, my father, a cloud in the blue sky of the blue bathroom, my eye had driven up the hairpin mountain road of the naked male, I had turned a corner and found his flank unguarded, gentle bulge of the hip joint, border of the pelvic cradle. This poem is also by Sharon Olds. Um, something I love about her poetry is her incredible sort of linguistic dexterity and the way she takes you on tangents and just keeps opening them and opening them like petal upon petal. So this is The Necklace. At the worst of the depression, one moment in the office, suddenly my necklace shifted, flowed across some high ribs and sank down along the top of one breast, as if a creature had got into my shirt. Yet I felt its willlessness, caress of matter only, small whipper or snapper, milk or garter, just the vertebrae now, as if a stripped spine had taken its coccyx in its jaw around my throat's equator and now stirred on the mortal plates. And these were the pearls from my mother as she slithered along me to say, come away from your gloom, your father. That garden is a grave. Come away, come away. As if some crumbs of her milk toast aged and polished to gem hardness spoke in oyster braille on my chest, near my own breast, suck singing to suckler, Auntie Cirque, my mother, led me away from that trough with a light raking over me of her wiggly hip, just one wobble along me, globe of her axis, chariot wheel of morning. We just heard Rachel Guy reading two of her favourite Sharon Olds poems. Now we are going to turn to some haiku. Haiku is a poetic form which I deeply love and it was a great joy to produce this program. I asked Myron Lysenko to be my guest in this endeavour and I held him back to get him to share some of his favourite haikus which he will share with you now. Here are my top ten Japanese haiku stretching from the 13th century to the 21st century. The first one's from Murataki, who was born in 1473. The blossom returning to its branch, a butterfly. 
This is uh, by Boncho, who was born in 1640. The brushwood, though cut for fuel, begins to bud. The uh, master of haiku, the Basho, who was born in 1644. Cicada shell. It sang itself utterly away. Uh, this one's uh, Basho's disciple, Kikaku, born 1661. When I think it is my snow on my hat, it becomes lighter. Chioni, born 1703, uh, one of the few uh, female haiku masters. But for their voices, the herons would disappear. Morning snow. Busson, born 1716. Cold chill. I step on my dead wife's comb in the bedroom. This is uh, Ryakin, 1758. The thief left it behind, the moon at the window. And uh, probably my favourite uh, haiku poet of all time, Issa, born 1763. I'm going out, flies, so relax, make love. Uh, and moving on to the more modernist haiku poets. This is a Suzuki Masajo, born 1906. I have stolen a man, but never a thing of value. Open blinds. And the last one is by Mayazumi Madoka. And please forgive me for mispronouncing all these names. Uh, she was born in uh, 1965. Choosing a swimsuit. When did his eyes replace mine? We were just treated to a selection of haiku by the masters, read by Myron Lysenko. I would now like to share a short poem by Goethe that I quite like. I'll read the English first. Hope. Great good fortune Bring it about, that I may complete the daily task of my hands. Let, oh let, me not grow weary. No, these are no empty dreams. Mere sticks now, these trees, will one day give fruit and shade. And now the German original. Hoffnung Schafft das Tagwerk meine Hände, hohes Glück, das ich's vollende. Lass, o oh lass mich nicht ermatten, nein, es sind nicht leere Träume. Jetzt nur Stangen, diese Bäume, geben ernst noch Frucht und Schatten. And all this is a universal truth for people let you down. 
reach out for the things that you can use buried in the ground I think I've been misunderstood not all my choices have been good in the fading light so we should put this one to bed before it busts out of my head ready for the first When it gets too late And I find my place Who will save your soul And love me here So when it gets too far So well it down your guard Who will save your soul And love me here In of another tiny life full of big ideas strikes me with the baggage left behind I could dry those tears all of my secrets they are free now watch them tumble out of me into better days So save those homiletic tones And come just singing from the moans And you'll hear me say So when it gets too late And I find my place Who will save your soul And love me here When it gets too far So well it down you've gone You just heard Save Your Soul by Jamie Cullum.
You're listening to 3CR and you're listening to the Spoken Word Program and my name is Ella Fanelska. Today you are hearing guests that I've had in the studio read some of their favourite poems and speak about why they are so. Now we will hear from Sandy Jeffs. One of my favourite poems is called Requiem by the Russian poet Anna Akhmatova. And one of the reasons I love this poem, it's a sequence of poems, I think there are about, I don't know, seven or eight or nine poems in it. It's a poem written by her after she was standing in line in the 1930s in front of a prison where her son was being held by the Stalinist, um, the Stalinist regime. She was standing in line with bread to give to her son with other women who were standing in line and someone recognised her and said, can you describe this? And she said, yes. And so she wrote this poem which describes the Stalinist terror and what it was to wait for your loved one while they were imprisoned, how it felt. And and she paid homage to the women who stood there in line in front of the prison. And I love it because it's about the poet as witness because I think poets do stand as witness to the world and she stood as witness to the terrible terrors of the Stalin era and the poem is fantastic. And the the translation of the poem that I like most is one done by Stanley Kunitz and Max Haywood because there are many translations of this poem but I particularly love their translation. And it just, for me, just speaks volumes about poetry and about the role of the poet in society. So now I'll just read a few excerpts. The very first poem that begins the whole thing is about the poet as witness, and it goes like this. No foreign sky protected me. No stranger's wing shielded my face. I stand as witness to the common lot, survivor of that time, that place. And in dedication, she starts off. Such grief might make the mountains stoop, reverse the waters where they flow, but cannot burst these ponderous bolts that block us from the prison cells, crowded with mortal woe. For some wind can freshly blow, for some the sunlight fade at ease, but we, made partners in our dread, hear but the grating of the keys, and the heavy-booted soldiers tread. Just love that. And another part of it she says in the sentence, I just love this little sentence. The word dropped like a stone on my still-living breast. Confess, I was prepared, am somehow ready for the test. So much to do today, kill memory, kill pain, turn heart into stone and yet prepare to live again. Not quite. Hot summer's feast bring rumours of Carews. How long have I foreseen this brilliant day, this empty house? That was Sandy Jeffs reading one of her favourite poems. Yelchi was my second guest in the Spoken Word Studios. Now let's listen to who has influenced her and let her share one of her favourite poems. I have a lot of uh, favourite poems and um, it's hard to choose one, really. Um, But um, I'd like to read a poem by the late Jess H. Duke because he had a lot of influence on me, especially when I was just starting to write. And um, 
even though he's probably known best for his um, um, total involvement with Dada and his Dada performances, um, you know, I, I really liked his uh, poems that were sort of, I think, influenced by Bertolt Brecht, by the plays of Bertolt Brecht more than the poems. And this poem is called Spring News. It's from his book, War and Peace, that I think you can still uh, obtain, uh, Collective Effort Press. Spring News. The sun came out and I felt a lot better. My radio had just told me that this had been the wettest winter for 30 years, that the hamburgers were full of horse meat, that the salami I'd just eaten was full of bacteria, that there was going to be a sales tax on everything, that the police helicopter had spent the night being tested over Richmond. I sort of knew that anyway. That the treasurer said it was all humbug. That Fraser had the flu. That the Arabs were unhappy. That 50 headless bodies had been found in El Salvador. That the South Africans had invaded Angola and the USA had said they were not entirely to blame. That Richmond City elections were rigged. That the police were going to get tough with glue sniffers. That we had to combat Soviet expansionism. That the temperature would be 22 degrees with a hot north wind. But despite all these chapters of misery, I thought it was good to be out in the sun until the tram came along and took me off to work. That was Yelchi sharing one of her favourite poems. You've been listening to guests that I've had on Spoken Word share their favourite poems by some of their favourite poets and speak about why these poems have had meaning in their lives. I'd like to finish today's program with my very first guest, Lish Skek, and she will share with you the Lady of Shalott. Thanks for listening and I hope this has given you some insight to what have been the influences of my beautiful guests that have been in the studio. I'm Ella Fanelska, saying bye for now. You're listening to Spoken Word and now let some Tennyson wash over you. My favourite poem is The Lady of Shalott, written by Alfred Lord Tennyson. And this is because of associations with memory and family and love pretty much. Uh, my mother and grandmother adored poetry and this was recited regularly and if I didn't know it and love it, it'd be something wrong or amiss. And this is it, The Lady of Shalott by Alfred Lord Tennyson. On either side the river lie, long fields of barley and of rye that clothe the world and meet the sky, and through the field the road ran by to many-towered Camelot. Up and down the people go, gazing where the lilies blow, round the island there below, the island of Shalott. Willows whiten, aspens quiver, little breezes dusk and shiver through the wave that runs forever, by the island in the river, flowing down to Camelot. Four grey walls and four grey towers overlook a space of flowers and the silent isle embowers the Lady of Shalott. By the margin willow veiled slide the heavy barges trailed by slow horses and unhailed the Shalott filth in silken sailed skimming down to Camelot. But who hath seen her wave her hand or at the casement seen her stand? Or is she known in all the land, the Lady of Shalott?
Only reapers reaping early In among the bearded barley Hear a song that echoes cheerly From the river winding clearly Down to towered Camelot And by the moon the reaper weary Piling sheaves in uplands airy Listening whispers, tis the fairy The lady of Shalott There she weaves by night and day A magic web with colours gay, for she hath heard a whisper say, a curse is on her if she stay, to look down to Camelot. She knows not what that curse may be, and so she weaveth steadily. Little other care hath she, the Lady of Shalott. And moving through the mirror clear, that hangs before her all the year, shadows of the world appear. There she sees the highway near, winding down to Camelot. There the river eddy whirls, and there the surly village churls, and the red cloaks of the market girls pass onward from Shalott. Sometimes a troop of damsels glad, an abbot on an ambling pad, sometimes a curly shepherd lad, or long-haired page in crimson clad, goes by to towered Camelot. And sometimes through the mirror blue, the knights come riding two and two, she hath no loyal knight and true, the Lady of Shalott. But in her web she still delights to weave the mirror's magic sights, for often through the silent night a funeral with plumes and with lights and music went to Camelot. Or when the moon was overhead came two young lovers lately wed. I'm half sick of shadows, she said, the Lady of Shalott. A bow struck from her bow at eaves, he rode between the barley leaves. The sun came dazzling through the leaves and flamed upon the brazen greaves of bold Sir Lancelot. A red cross knight forever kneeled to a lady in his shield that sparkled on the yellow field beside remote Shalott. The gemmy bridle glittered free like to some branch of stars we see hung in the golden galaxy. The bridle bells rang merrily as he rode down to Camelot and from his blazoned baldric slung a mighty silver bugle hung and as he rode his armour rung beside remote Shalott. All in the blue unclouded weather the thick jewel shone the saddled leather the helmet and the helmet feather burned like one flame together as he rode down to Camelot and often through the purple night below the starry clusters bright some bearded meteor trailing light moves over still Shalott his broad clear brow and sunlight glowed on burnished hooves his war horse trode from underneath his helmet flowed his coal black curls as on he rode as he rode down to Camelot and from the bank and from the river he flashed into the crystal mirror Tirralira by the river sang Sir Lancelot she left the web, she left the loom, she made three paces through the room, she saw the water lily bloom, she saw the helmet and the plume, she looked down to Camelot. Out flew the web and floated wide, the mirror cracked from side to side. The curse is upon me, cried the Lady of Shalott. And in the stormy east wind straining, the pale yellow woods were waning, the broad stream in his banks complaining, heavily the low sky raining over towered Camelot. Down she came and found a boat, beneath a willow left afloat, 
and round about the prow she wrote, the Lady of Shalott. And down the river's dim expanse, like some bold seer in a trance, seeing all his own mischance, with a glassy consonance, she did look to Camelot. And at the closing of the day, she loosed the chain and down she lay. The broad stream bore her far away, the Lady of Shalott. Lying robed in snowy white that loosely flew from left to right, the leaves upon her falling light, through the noises of the night, she floated down to Camelot. And as the boathead wound along, they heard her singing her last song, the Lady of Shalott. Heard a carol, mournful, holy, chanted loudly, chanted lowly, till her blood was frozen slowly and her eyes were darkened wholly, turned to towered Camelot. For ere she reached upon the tide, the first house by the waterside, singing in her song, she died, the Lady of Shalott. Under tower and balcony, by garden wall and gallery, a gleaming shape she floated by, dead pale between the houses high, silent into Camelot. Out upon the wharves they came, knight and burgher, lord and dame, and round the prow they read her name, the Lady of Shalott. Who is this, and what is here? And in the lighted palace near, died the sounds of royal cheer, and crossed themselves for fear, the knights of Camelot. Lancelot mused a little space. He said, she has a lovely face. God in his mercy lend her grace, the Lady of Shalott.